0: Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. We are in week eight of the IC program and we're turning the poster over. I'm Marilla Oskerson, assistant director of IC. And today in the booth with me are co-directors Mark Olivier and Doug Weatherford. Welcome, Doug and Mark.
1: Thank you.
0: Before introducing the second half of the IC lineup, We'll look back at the first past few weeks of the semester. What are some of the titles that you would have liked more people to see the past uh, eight weeks?
1: Okay, <laughs> seven
0: weeks, I guess. Seven weeks, to yeah, be exact. I guess
1: I'll go first. And uh, you know, it's it's always great uh, fun to see you know which movies have the highest and lowest attendance. Uh, But we're always a bit disappointed sometimes with some films films that we believe should have a little bit more play. And I know Mark and I are going to at least talk about uh, one of the same films. Um, But I really thought uh, that uh, the silent films that we showed this first semester, first half of the semester, um, needed a larger audience than Nook of the North, uh, which is 100 years old this year, and is just a, a really important, significant documentary, perhaps between quotation marks. There's some fiction elements to it, but it's, it's a film that deserves to be seen and talked about. And then, of course, Shoes, which um, was uh, from 1916. And I was blown away uh, by this uh, film and uh, its editing and its sophistication by a female director. And that's, those are two films that I really think uh, should have been seen more. And I'll let Mark uh, continue with Shoes because I know he'll want to say more about well,
2: that. Well, I, I agree. Shoes is the probably the one, if I had to name one, it would be Shoes that I wish people would go to. It's, it's stunningly restored. I know you can see an older version of it on YouTube, but the version that we showed is really beautifully restored. And it's just such a great and modern feeling story you know, from 1916. So I love the director. I love the things that she did. Uh, I also would pitch Dark Water as one that I wish more people had attended. It's a creepy Japanese ghost story, really atmospheric. It has interesting themes about kind of the family and breakdown of the family. And I, yeah, I think it's kind of a sleeper that it, it was remade, but of course, but the remake wasn't very good. So
1: yeah, Dark Water is my other one. Yeah. And just to perhaps uh, jump in real quickly with that, um, with Shoes, 1916, and this is a female director, Lois Weber, and Mm -hmm. the things that she's doing, especially with editing and storytelling, I agree with you. This was an amazing story told well on film in 1916. And uh, just to perhaps put in a plug for silent film, uh, the first week of the second half of the semester is going to be uh, four are going to be four films dedicated to Ukraine. And one of them is a Russian-Ukrainian film called Man with a Movie Camera uh, from 1929. And it is one of the most important films from its generation. And I really encourage people to come and see that. Uh, get over any hangups you may have with silent films. Once you discover them, I think you'll find a new world to discuss
0: about film. And we'll have a lecture by Professor Barber, who is in the TMA program. On Wednesday, October nineteenth, in two fifty of the Kimball Tower. So come and discover this documentary not only by watching it, but as well by hearing a, a professional talk about this film. So the film that I regret not more people seen this semester is Petite Maman by Celine Sciamma. It's a beautiful film about grief, about connection between generations. And I got to see the end of an IC screening because I needed to come and and help our projectionist with something. And the room, it was not that Mm. many people, but it was, there was a vibe there and people were feeling, and I heard expressions, like oral expressions to the emotions that were portrayed on the screen. And then at the end, people clapped. It it really is a beautiful film and, We'll see. Maybe it has a future. We might have
2: to give you another chance (laughs) on that one.
0: So looking forward, what are some of the series that you would like to highlight on the second side of the poster? Doug, would you like to start?
1: Sure. Um, So we have three more series coming up and uh, then one category where we kind of leave it open and so that we don't have to restrain ourselves constrain ourselves with a particular series, but one that I really pushed for was a World Cup in sports. Uh, and of course, uh, we are coming into World Cup season, which is perhaps less important in the United States, but it's in a very important time around the world, as, uh, as we all know. And uh, we do have some really good films about soccer. Two, uh, well, we have the cup, uh, which uh, is an Hindi-Tibetan film that I think people will like. Khartoum Offside is a film that I uh, really liked, not because it's the best film as film that we're going to be showing. I think you might see some, uh, perhaps, uh, I don't know, immaturity in the way the film is put together, perhaps. And they don't play a lot of soccer throughout the film. But I love this film because of the view that it gave us to Sudan, and especially to a group of women who, despite all odds, Uh, as women in a country that doesn't particularly allow women uh, first of all to play soccer second of all to make film to do both uh, in this film and I think uh, this will be the last week of the semester and I'm concerned that during the last week we may have less uh, audience but this is a film that deserves to be seen and I think you'll love it Um, my favorite uh, film well let me mention real quickly Shaolin Soccer we're also going to show and I think a lot of people already have seen it or know about it, I think it will be popular. One of my all time favorite Brazilian films is The Year My Parents Went on Vacation. We have shown it at international cinema before. We've come back to it because it has a background of soccer, right? It's a film about coming of age, about a young boy trying to find his community in a multicultural community in Brazil. It's a 2006 film. And as part of the background, Uh, In 1970, when Brazil is still under a dictatorship, you have uh, the idea of Brazilians being united in a divisive moment by the game of soccer. And, of of course, in 1970, those of you who follow soccer, you know that that year that Brazil does win the World Cup with Pele. This is a a fun, it's an intriguing, it's a well-made and just human and humane Uh, representation that that uh, comes back to soccer real quickly. I also want to point out one that's not soccer, but it's Waterman. Uh, It's a film from uh, 2022. I think it is very recent. It does have some connections to BYU and to Utah, uh, but it's about um, the Duke Duke, uh, who was the father of surfing and was an amazing swimmer from the Hawaiian Islands. And it's a documentary about his life, his experience and the legacy that uh, that we've all gained uh, because of his example uh, in uh, the or the early and the middle part of the 20th century, I think people will really like this film uh, on a Thursday. I think it's the 10th of November. Uh, we will have a showing of the film with a question and answer with two of the filmmakers, and we hope people will come.
0: Back. It will be good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you, Mark?
1: Um, okay, let me give you a few
2: highlights from the theme faith and belief, uh, and then I also want to point to a few from uh, the miscellaneous category. Uh, First, a real favorite is the mission. Uh, Director Tanya Anderson got permission from the church to follow missionaries from the time they get their call through their mission in Finland through their homecoming. And it's just a sort of unprecedented access and really interesting because you get the uh, point of view of someone who is not a church member and who was just fascinated when she saw missionaries on the street and wanted to know more about them. So that I really want to pitch. There's uh, another woman director, Anne Fontaine, who did uh, The Innocents. There are about three films named The Innocents. So if you go try to track this one down, this is from 2016. Um, It takes place in Warsaw in 1945, where there's a nun that approaches a female student doctor named Mathilde Beaulieu um, uh, and asks her to help somebody who's sick. And I won't give any spoilers, but um, you know, it it becomes it's it's a challenging uh, movie. And also in the last week, like Doug was talking about, we really want to there, we have some great films there. So um, we've got The Scent of Green Papaya, which is just this poetic, beautiful film that takes place in Vietnam. But it was filmed entirely on a soundstage in France, which is kind of interesting and stars the director's wife. Um, it's just a beautiful film about a servant who is working for a family that was once very wealthy and has fallen in hard times. And, um, you will love this movie. So that's during the last week, uh, under the miscellaneous category, there, there are three of the six films are adaptations of either novels or short stories. You've got, um, Julieta that is, um, an adaptation of short stories by Alice Munro. Alice Munro won the um, Nobel Prize in literature. She's a Canadian author specializing in short stories. And um, so there are three uh, short stories from a book called Runaway, Chance, Silence, and Soon that Almodovar um, uh, adapted. Now, she's been adapted at least five times in film, but Uh, three of those were Canadian films, one American, and this is the only Spanish adaptation. So what I encourage you to do, if you watch this is, um, if you're a reader, read the shorts, their short stories, read the short stories and look at the, um, how they're adapted in this kind of melodramatic way. And Almodovar tends to be a little more on the, um, you know, he, he likes showiness and exaggeration, whereas Alice Munro's prose is really simple and restrained. Um, Also, Secret Life of Bees, adapted from Sue Monk Kidd's novel of the same name. And it's a really great film for conveying the complexities of life in the southern U.S., especially at the time of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And the cast, I just have to say, with Queen Latifah, Jennifer Hudson, and Alicia Keys, I wish it were a musical. What a power trio we would have. So, wow, amazing. And finally, I want to plug Purple Noon which is an adaptation of um, Patricia Highsmith's The Talented Mr. Ripley. So this film is from 1960 and it stars um, Alain Delon, who is like a French heart draw. And so if you like beautiful locations, beautiful people and mystery, then this is a great film for you.
0: Excellent. So the series that I'm going to highlight is Life on the Web. And starting with that series is Sweat, a film in Polish by a Swedish filmmaker. It's an authentic look and a real look at what it means to be an influencer. It's three days in the life of fitness influencer Sylvia. She's super popular with 600,000 followers. Her live interactions with her audience, her curating of her account, and the emptiness of her personal life very well done uh, film that makes us think about um, how we are influenced and and how as well we are influencing others. Aloners is a Korean film by Hong Seong Hoon. And these films are all very, they're very recent. Mm-hmm. So 2020 for Sweat, 2021 for Aloners. The filmmaker for Aloners was born in South Korea and she spent her childhood in France and was inspired by French films. A is her feature film debut. Gina, the main character, leads a repetitive, predictable life where not much is left to chance nor spontaneity. A lonely young woman who uses technology as a protection against pain, grief, and the difficulties of life. Will she be able to open to the world again and connect with people? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lovely film, very meditative as well, and uh, a good reflection on our own usage of, of social media. Utama from Alejandro Loaiza Grizi from 2022 is in Quecha and Spanish. What happens in our modern day world when one lacks internet connection? This is highlighting the other side of being too connected. Utama portrays the life of an isolated and elderly Quecha couple who is affected by a dire drought and very much isolated. Hatching is playing the last week of the semester, and there again, encouraging you to go see uh, this gem by Anna Bergom. It's a 2022 uh, title. It's a coming of age identity crisis, a mother's ideals and expectations for her daughter clash with the daughter's emerging ideal of her self image. How are our relationships affected by an obsession with curating our lives on the web? And um, this is a horror film, and as a non-horror lover, <laughs> I recommend this film. It's it's very much uh, something that that I, I could enjoy, and I I do expect that if you like horror or if you dislike the genre, you will like this film. You it it will unite um, viewers like like me and like you. I
2: never thought that <laughs> you know I I was so happy to learn that Marjolore liked that movie. It's not. You know, a creepy, gross horror. It's there's something. There's kind of amazing practical effects that you'll see. Absolutely,
0: it's a meaningful horror film. Can Mm -hmm. we say that?
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Okay, I have a few questions for for us. Would you rather watch? Okay, this is a tricky word worded question. So listen carefully. (laughs) Would you rather watch a negatively reviewed movie from a genre you love? or critically acclaimed movie from a genre you hate? So, you know, something that's super popular, but it's, it's not the type of films that you like, or something that, oh, people do not like, but you love that type of films. Mm. What's your idea?
2: I would rather see the critically acclaimed one uh, from a genre I don't like. I'm not really into Westerns, for example, but if there were a Western that were really highly acclaimed, then I would want to see why.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, <laughs> um, but uh, I would probably say the same thing, although I have to admit that um, uh, there are a few genres that I just have, uh, you know, a place in my heart for. And even sometimes they weren't super popular among critics uh, and my my go to place, you know, my my or perhaps nostalgia. I love films about nostalgia. And sometimes my view doesn't always mix with the critics. And so there are some films that I really, really like. I'm kind of like Lord, and I'm not a huge horror fan. I don't like slasher films, no matter how well they're rated. Right, I'm probably just not going to watch it. So um, there you go.
0: I love Slow Burns. And so even if the critics don't like it, I will watch it. Mm. But something that the critics will, critics will love and it will be popular, I'll, I'll be very cautious about it. I'll maybe end up seeing it, but I'll go. I'll go for the thumbs that I know I love. <laughs> <laughs> What's your <Good>. favorite remake? <laughs> this is to...
1: another terrible yeah. question to ask. Uh, we were talking about it beforehand, and I can say I love adaptations, but I don't particularly like uh, remakes, right? And uh, and so I, I'm not sure. I was trying to think about this, and, and I couldn't come up with one. I'm saying which. Remake, and I kind of I found out that Apocalypse Now is actually a remake, or you could count it as a remake because there was a film previously about the Heart of Darkness. I love Apocalypse Now; it's Mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite films. So perhaps I could throw that one out. But let me just put in a plug uh, for a Mexican film that is being remade uh, right now. It's an adaptation of a novel uh, about uh, called Pedro Páramo that I have just translated. It will come out uh, probably within the year in an English translation that I've done. Uh, was made originally in 1966, redone in 1976. I think sometimes in that 1976 edition, there were some improvements. But I'm really hoping, so this is kind of looking forward, I'm really hoping that the, the new Netflix adaptation or remake might improve upon what exists for one of Mexico's great novels, Fader of Bottom.
2: Excellent. Um, two of my favorite remakes are both about scary alien plants so i love the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers which is a remake of the 1956 which um, film which also is an adaptation of a novel but the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers is great it's creepy it's it's scary and it's interesting then the other alien plant movie is little shop of horrors which is the 1986 remake adapted from the stage musical? Um, but it's a remake of a 19 sorry 1986 remake of a 1960 Roger Corman non musical sci fi film. Both of those have these like wonderful you know creepy alien plants, and I think Little Shop of Horrors is just a ton of fun. Um, and the uh, Invasion of the body, body Snatchers is actually scary and stressful in a good way.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's in a good way. So uh, one of my favorite remake is actually Coda. And Coda was at Sundance not long ago. It's a lovely story. It got the award from the audience. Audience mm-hmm. award, if I remember, people loved it and for good reasons. And this is the remake of a French film called The Bélier Family. And that is an excellent film as well. And I And I do believe that the producers from the Bellier family were involved in the making mm-hmm. of CODA and and so it's not exactly the same but it, there's just similarities that are just delightful and so I, I love these both and CODA, Coda is, is excellent it's really yeah. good so do you prefer stories about post-apocalyptic worlds or superhero films
1: Doug um <laughs> okay well this is an easy one for me All right. uh, post-apocalyptic I'm a big fan I love dystopian uh, mm. universes and mm. and worlds and whatnot, and I'm not a huge superhero fan. And yet. <laughs> uh, and yet.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, tell us about it. <laughs> and yet. yet.
1: Um, mm. So uh, we're right now developing a series for next semester that will be international superheroes. Uh, my colleague in Spanish and Portuguese, Brian Price, suggested it, and we've been having a lot of fun looking yeah. for uh, Films. Some of them will be really strange and weird. Sometimes bad to the point of being great. Uh, and so, I'm not a huge superhero fan, but I think that this thing will be really popular next semester. Yes. So look for
0: it. I think that superheroes at IC is going to be awesome.
1: Wow. Okay, I
2: have the same preference as Doug. Mm-hmm. I prefer, give me bleak, poked, apocalyptic
1: Mad Max, all um, day. <laughs>
2: zombies running around, anything. Just, I guess I love a good depressing film. So um, superhero films, fine, but I mean, I'll see them. I've seen all the Marvel films, but post-apocalyptic, definitely my favorite.
0: I'll go with superhero, especially uh, in a film like Supermoda that we're hoping to schedule next semester. Where it's a little girl who is sick in Africa and her village is gathering around her to um, nurture this this theme of superhero in her and the mm. power that she has. so the superhero theme is not just the Marvel superheroes you know we can have like everyday superheroes, and uh, it's heartwarming. That film is beautiful. Last question: would you rather watch a film alone or with others and why? Mark, you want to start
2: Okay, well. I like, I love watching a film alone with others, meaning <laughs> meaning that I go to movies all the time by myself. I love it. It's just, um, you know, I don't really talk during a movie anyway, um, but I love being in the theater. I love the experience of communal viewing. So when we go off to a film festival to scout new films, you know, we're, we each go to these festivals. Um, we're often seeing films alone. And um, I just, I love that. I I tune into the energy of the audience and I love seeing the movie on a bigger screen.
0: Doug?
1: Yeah, you know, my my answer is going to be a little bit mixed here um, because, uh, you know, we've all gotten so used to being able to see a movie by ourselves and I love to take notes. I love to go back and say, well, did I see what I just saw? And so there are some joys in seeing a movie perhaps on your computer screen and by yourself. However, I agree with Mark. Uh, film is meant to be a communal experience, and I think that if you never go to the theater, especially Two Fifty Kimball for international mm-hmm. cinema, that uh, somehow you're missing the joy of seeing and experience a film with others and hearing other people's reactions and uh, being influenced by other interpretations of the film. What about you? Well, girl?
0: you know, and I'm going to well, a mm. uh, bit definitely together in mm-hmm. a movie theater. There's something about what I feel like in my body, what I hear, the the hugeness of the screen and how my eyes have to scope everything, <laughs> I just love that sensation. And I love the heartbeat, I'll call it, of the mm. the experience, like filling th- things together. That is something that is precious to me, especially since film is one of the most powerful mediums to bring compassion in us. Telling stories about others, other places and really touching our hearts so being being together is something very special and i'm so glad that we're back together Mm -hmm. in 250 or in the movie theaters as well across everywhere so yes thank you so much to your participation yeah thank you it's been
2: fun
0: and thank you to our listeners for joining us on from the booth we're grateful for the support of the byu college of humanities The opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent official views of the university or its supportive institutions. Work on the Sound is by Hayden Underwood. Original music by Johnny Stallings to all thank you. Until next week, we hope to see you in 250 of the Kimball Tower.